Hi, and thank you for tuning in to the live stream presentation of Joshua Baptist Church. We're so thankful that you would take time out of your day to join us for our services. We hope that you receive an extra special blessing as a result of the preaching of God's Word today. Our nursing room, our baby room today, because I think Brother Sean's back there, and that would be awful embarrassing to, to me when he came in there and whooped me for doing that. We have today, I think, very special guests, Brother Neil and Charlene Neil, male Neil, missionaries to Ecuador for 51 years. Brother Neil, would you stand pray? When I saw him, he was looking so hungry. Missionaries know how to look hungry. And I asked him to stay for a little while after service. We'd give him a love offering if we have any mission money. And if we don't have any mission money, we'll take it out of other money. But um, it's uh, good to have you folks here today, Brother Neil and Ms. Neil. And um, if you'd join me today in your Bible to the book of Mark, chapter 14. Mark, chapter 14. We continue our study in the book of Mark or our sermon series in the book of Mark entitled to be like Jesus. We started these messages about a year and a half ago and, and uh, uh, we're just having a good time in the book of Mark. I'd like to uh, welcome all of you who've joined us by way of live stream where we are around the world and by radio we're so thankful that you've joined us. You're watching Joshua Baptist Church from the big metroplex of Joshua. And I uh, hope that you enjoy the service today. Let me look in the book of Mark. We begin reading in verse number 1 through verse number 9. And I'd like to just preface with this statement. Many times folk comment on the work here and what, uh, how God has blessed it. And they often ask me, what is the secret of what tiny success you've experienced? And the only way I know how to answer it is the right man in the right place at the right time with the right message, seizing the opportunity. Amen. There was no independent fundamental church in Joshua. You say, preacher, is it because of you? No, no, no. It's just the right man in the right place at the right time with the right message. Seizing the opportunity. Most success is a direct result of someone being in the right place at the right time. Seizing the opportunity. Could I please speak with you today on this thought, seizing the opportunity. Many times, opportunities go around camouflaged 
as hard work. That's why so few people take advantage of the opportunity. Every one of us are afforded opportunities every day. The difference is some folk seize them as opportunities and seize that opportunity to do something great for God. Preacher, what will happen when you go off the scene? This thing will grow. I've held it down long enough. Seizing the opportunity. Keep that thought in mind as I read for you verse 1 through 9 of the book of Mark. The Bible said, And after two days was the feast of the Passover and of unleavened bread. And the chief priests and the scribes saw how they might take him by craft or deceit and put him to death. And they said, Not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. So you can see the spirit in the situation. The religious crowd, the political crowd, are conniving together and trying to find a way by which they can kill Jesus and not have any flashback. And so the Bible says, And being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor and they murmured against her. In other words, let me insert there, the cold water committee was at hand. Anytime you try to do anything that will honor Jesus, there is a cold water committee ready to throw cold water on it, criticize it, and criticize those who are trying to honor our Lord. Indignation, and they murmured, and Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will ye may do good, do them good. But me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. But I say unto you, whatsoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world. This also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. 
Our Father, today, we need your help desperately. Lord, no sooner does revival come, does the devil show up too. And so, Lord, in the story and in the scripture we read today, an innocent, God-fearing, Jesus-loving lady, in an attempt to honor our Lord, received criticism, hurtful words by, yes, your own people, the disciples. Surely, Lord, there's a lesson here for us today. The Bible says, Let him that hath ear hear what the Spirit saith. We ask you to make the application today in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever heard of Google? Craigslist. Facebook. Don't you wish you had a thought of it? That is nothing more, nothing less than somebody seizing the moment. Peter walking on the water. Well, somebody seizing the moment. Oh, you say, but he sunk. Yeah, but he's the only one that ever walked. Now, I don't know how far he walked. He could have walked a mile and a half, a block and a half, or a step and a half, but it's farther than me and you've walked. And all the folks in the boat, ha-ha, Peter, you sunk. We got a lot of folks sitting around laughing at those who's trying and making mistakes, innocent mistakes, innocent blunders. Have you ever heard of David and a small sling? That's nothing more than someone looking into the face of the giant and says, in the light of criticism and in the face of adversity, and he says, is there not a cause? He said, I will take him down. He seized the moment. Just about every successful family and successful business is nothing more than somebody being in the right place at the right time with the right opportunity and they seize the moment. Think about that, would you? I don't know about you, but I'd like to ask you a question. What on earth 
are you doing for heaven's sake? What on earth are you doing for heaven's sake? Most of what we do on earth is for earth's sake. Most everything we've done all week long has not affected heaven one bit. We're his disciples. We've been saved. We've been called. We've been empowered. And I'd just like to ask you a question. This week, last week, what on earth did we do for heaven's sake? Here is a little lady who's not worried about what she has, what it costs, or what anybody might say. She just seized the moment. I heard something, or I thought it myself, I have no idea. The heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. You think about that just a minute. How is your heart right now? For out of the heart flows what? The issues of life. The wise man said, keep it, protect it, guard it with all diligence. Because from that heart flows either break in the box, pouring the ointment on our Lord and worship and praise are 12 critical Baptists who said, why are you wasting that stuff? There will always be critics who fail to seize the moment criticizing those who do. Well, I could do that. Well, why didn't you? Now, I could do a better job than him or she. Well, then there's something. You wasn't here when the job was open. Well, I, 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 no, these men, God's men, God's call men, God's chosen men. Let me share something with you. Everybody in that house that day had received something from Jesus. Simon the leopard had been healed from leprosy. The disciples, all 12 of them have been saved, or 11 have been saved, and they were saved, they were called, they were taught, but there's only one person in the room who did anything for Jesus. The rest of them criticized. The rest of them was filled with indignation. I cannot imagine anybody Begrudging anybody doing anything for God. But they do. We've got a lot of couch quarterbacks in Christianity. Have you ever noticed that? A lot of couch quarterbacks. But I always have said the heart of the matter is really the matter of the heart. You think about that. 
A great man said one time, there are three things that will never return no matter how much you pray or how much you work. An arrow shot from above. A word spoken. And opportunities missed. They never return. Boy, on the second trip around, I'll take advantage of it. There is no second trip around. This lady, this lady by the name of Martha, uh, Mary, she's named in the book of John. Mary. This Mary is the one who sat at Jesus' feet while Martha served in the kitchen. While Martha was concerned about her, her hunger, Mary was concerned about her heart. You'll see in a minute when I get through preaching those folks who's concerned about their hunger. They'll start waving these at me. And some sitting around, preach it, preacher. Amen. Pass that around again. Martha and Mary. Oh, they're the ones who witnessed Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Uh, They're the sisters of Lazarus. And Mary had spent some time. Every time you see Mary mentioned in the Word of God, you find her at Jesus' feet. Maybe that's where we need to be. Maybe we think we're a little bit better than falling at His feet. No, we are not any better than falling at Jesus' feet. And every time you see her, she's at Jesus' feet. She's worshiping Jesus. She's listening to Jesus. She's learning from Jesus. And because of that, she had enough to seize the moment. Did not miss the opportunity. 1 Kings 14.8 says, David followed God with all his heart. Daniel 1 and 8 said that Daniel purposed in his heart. Hebrews 9, the 13, 9, it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace. Our problem today is not our head. Our problem today is with our heart. Amens do not come from the head. Amens come from the heart. The head says, shut up, amen, keep it down. The head says, act dignified. The heart says, act as if you love Jesus. Every once in a while, Jay gets rowdy. Well, he's big enough to get rowdy anywhere he wants to. And I could just see some faces say, well, he needs to shut up. You go tell him. I'm not going to. We can either worship Jesus with our head like the disciples and figure out what could be done with all of this precious ointment, 300 pence, one year's wages in that day. Usually the ointment we use just as a dab on the neck for perfume. I wonder how your wife would swell if she took every bit of that Perfume she bought down at Walmart. You know that gallon. (laughs) And just broke the bottle and poured it all all over. 
And you realize she paid a lot of money for it. You, like the disciples, would be in indignation all of a sudden. Why'd you waste all of that? It's a matter of the heart. Season the moment. Could I please show you where I got my thought? Turn to Mark chapter 16. And we're introduced to two more Marys. And these are not the same Mary. Two more Marys. And in verse 1, Mark 16. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James... And Salome had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. Verse 4. And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrightened. And he saith unto them, Be not affrightened. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Too late. He's not here. You want to anoint him. Too late. He's not here. What if Mary, in chapter 14, had waited to go with the other ladies? And had fallen in with the crowd and followed what everybody else is doing and waited till Sunday morning to do anything for Jesus, she too would have been too late. She seized the moment. We're going to give an invitation in a little while. It might be the last one you ever sit through. It might be that one opportunity for you to do what God wants you to do in your heart. And you say no to God and walk away. The Bible said God's spirit shall not always strive with man. And when God knocks on your heart, you might ought to open the door and seize the moment because he may never knock again. Oh, you remember when you come to church and Preaching used to get to you and you used to be convicted and you used to think I was a pretty good guy. But you've been here now all this time. And you've sat through those invitations and said no to God now time and time again. As if you were mocking God. As if you thought maybe you'd do what God wants you to do when you want to do it. And now you come. And there's no tear in the eye. And there's no remorse or no, no repentance in the heart. And you can't wait to get out of here. Not because of the preaching, but because of the ball game. Oh, how many times have you said no to God? How many times has he knocked and you said not today, maybe tomorrow 
Not today. God's saying to you, you better seize the moment. It's a matter of the heart. Let's look at this lady for about five minutes. You say you're going to preach in five minutes. If our hearts are right with God, it will sing but just five minutes. If it's leaning toward the cowgirls, it might seem like an hour and a half. Seize the moment. Let's look at Mary's heart for just a minute. I'd like to tell you today that Mary had a sensitive heart. A sensitive heart. A heart that could be touched. Have you ever had a wound? And somebody just comes toward that wound. You start running away. It's a sensitive spot. Are our hearts sensitive toward Jesus? Sensitive, I say, if you please. Sensitive to what Jesus wants. How many look at me and say, well, if he could do it, I could do it. You could if you just seized the moment. The same God that called me to preach has called some of you to preach. The same God that has blessed me over these 40 some years can bless you. It's just some of you had more faith in the marketplace than in the sensitive place. She was sensitive to what Jesus wanted in verse number 6. The Bible says, and uh, I like this, in verse number 6. And Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. Don't be critical of people serving At the Joshua Baptist Church. Don't be critical of those who have stepped up and willing to take the indignation and the gall and the hate and the criticism. Don't be sensitive to people who see the moment and now God is blessing. Don't be one of those cold water committee members that's always running around. Well, they ought to do it this way. They ought not to do it that way. Well, blah, blah. Shut up. In the Greek, that means shut up. She had a sensitive heart. She was sensitive to what Jesus wanted. Would you please look at your Sunday school teacher and say, Thank God they're trying to do what Jesus wants done. And quit saying they should have studied. She had a sensitive heart. She was sensitive to what Jesus wanted. She was sensitive to what Jesus can do. She has witnessed 
him speaking the words, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus come floating out of that tomb, wrapped in grave clothes. He didn't walk. He couldn't walk. He was all bound up. And Jesus said, loose him and let him go. Man, I'd have had a shouting spell right there. Unless he was raising somebody I didn't like. Come on. I know some folks in our church, if they were dead, I'd ask Jesus not to raise them. Yeah, you want them cold water committee members. Sensitive. Is your heart sensitive to what God can do? And are you sensitive to what God wants done? Are you sensitive to who He is? He's not just another carpenter. He's just not another fish maker. He's just not another baker who can make bread. He is the bread of life. Uh, He is the light of the world. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Thank God. Do you know who he is? If you did, your heart was sensitive to who he was. You would rather kiss Superman in the mouth as to mess with Jesus. You talk about Jesus' servants and Mary... Shut up, fellas. Peter, you walked on the water. Shut your mouth. She hath done what she could. She was sensitive to who he was, what he could do, what he was doing. And he was sensitive, bless your heart, to why Jesus was here. Verse 8. All the rest of them missed it. Twelve disciples missed it. High priests, Pharisees, and the Sadducees. That's why they're sad, you see. They missed it. There was one one person in the room that day that knew why Jesus was here. Verse 8. She hath anointed my body to the burying. She knew in about three days he'd go through a mock trial, be spat upon, mocked, ridiculed, crowned with a crown of thorns, stripped naked in the face of gaping society. There the King of kings and the Lord of lords stands embarrassed Naked and ugly. Beaten. Beyond recognition. Is it too much? That Mary. The only one in the room. Knew why he came. Do you know why he came? He came to die for people like you and I. Is there a small bit of sensitivity to what Jesus wants in your heart and in your life? Oh, 
They were just upset because she seized the moment. Isn't it nice if you talk to somebody who kind of acts like they're sensitive to what you're saying? Don't you just like talking to people? You're talking about a heartfelt hurt and they're thinking about going deer hunting. And can't hardly wait till you shut your mouth. And if they had promised they'd get a great big deal, you could go to hell and he wouldn't bother them a bit. Talking about Christians now. Boy, how we need in this place for God to give us a sensitive. And I can walk up to this fella and be sensitive to his hurt. And I can say, I know you're hurt. Of course, you don't care whether I'm hurting or not. I'm supposed to. Wouldn't it be nice if God would give us a sensitive heart? That the things of our Lord would touch that sensitive spot. You know, he might return a tear to her eye. He might return a song to a heart. Is there anybody here? That, why is it so quiet? You'd think was having a funeral. <laughs> but I think Mary seized the moment because she was sensitive to what Jesus wanted, what he could do, what he had done. And what he was yet to do in about three days. Can you get sensitive about him instead of your little world? Notice something else about her heart. She had a sacrificial heart. Ain't that good? Now if I got two coats and I give you one, I have not done anything sacrificial but now if I give you both of them I just stepped out of selfishness into sacrifice we know very little in America about sacrifice now the natural attitude and response you'll find in verse 4 in verse number 4 and there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was the waste of the ointment made? That's a natural response. The natural response would be, let's do what we usually do. Just take a dab and put a little on his head and a little dab on his feet and that way we can give 10% and live happily ever after and waste the 90. Because it's my alabaster box. It's mine. It's been in my family for generations. It's mine. It's very precious in your Bible. 
John says, very costly. Mark says, 300 pence. In that day, one year's salary. Try that on for size. Some of you folk are so tight. When you die, you'll have to be buried in a corkscrew casket so I can screw you into the ground. You're going to make a mud. That's what I'm trying to do. Very costly. Sacrificial, if you please. You let the air condition break down. And we will have the cold water committee show up real soon. Sacrifice. We know nothing about sacrifice. She did not give 10%. She did not give 5% to missions and keep the 85. How much did she give? She broke the bottle. She broke the box and poured it on his head and his feet. Sacrifice. Oh, I would to God we knew a little bit about sacrifice. I guess you heard about the husband who was going to buy some perfume for his wife to show her just how much he loved her. And she went, he went to the Dillard's, I guess. No, really Kmart, I imagine. And asked the cosmetic clerk to please show him a bottle of costly perfume. So he brought out a bottle and he said, Sir, this is a $50 bottle. He said, that's a, a bit too much. Do you have anything cheaper? He brought back, she brought back to the caring husband a bottle and said, this is a $30 bottle. He said, it's just still a little bit much. Do you have anything else any cheaper? And she brought a $20 bottle. And he said, well, really, that's really still a little bit too much. He said, do you have anything cheap? And she handed him a mirror. In regards to the offering today, All that offering was is how much you love Jesus. It wasn't, well, they got plenty of money. They're building buildings. That's why we need money, dummy. <laughs> if your church attendance begins to fall off, I bet I can go back to the giving records and show you where it started. Trouble starts at home. Amen. Attitude 
takes a dive. I can go to the given records and show you where it started. Mary seized the opportunity. Yes, she did. Could I say to you that sacrifice is love expressed? Get that. Now, if you look in your dictionary and look at the word love, you'll find a great affection for, a great attraction to. If you go to the Bible, you find out love is sacrifice. For God so loved the world that he what? God had more than attraction. There's nothing about us that is attractive. There's nothing that we can do or say or look that could cause God to fall in love with us according to the dictionary. But Bible says, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. Do you know the rest of it? And you are keeping his 10%. Hearing his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. I'm talking about sacrifice, a sacrificial heart. Mary had a sacrificial heart. And sacrificial hearts always love and give. Let me give you three things. Love doesn't listen to the crowd. What you say about me, what you say to me, will not hinder or sidetrack or derail what I'm going to do for Jesus. Love for Christ never gets hung up by what the crowd says. Oh, but they hurt my feelings. Get them off your shoulder. Oh, they're talking about me. Thank God you're doing enough to get the devil to send the cold water committee over to your house. Love does not. Are you listening to me? Sound like somebody's preaching in a nursery. Hope that's not Ben. Love does not listen to the crowds. Secondly, love doesn't consider the cost. Well, I love the Lord. Well, 10, 15, 20%. She loved the Lord and gave it all. Love does not let criticism sidetrack them. Mary, you're not going to pour all that on him, are you? You betcha. You know what that cost? You betcha. Do you know what folk are going to say about you? No. But 2,000 years later, we're still bragging on her. And not just here, but all over 
the world. This sermon is being sent to the far corners of the earth. We're not talking about Peter, James, or John. We're talking about a little lady who had a sensitive, sacrificial heart, didn't do much according to the world, but did it huge thing according to Jesus. Now, I don't know what you're doing. It don't have to be big. It don't even have to be good. It don't even have to be right. If you're doing it for Jesus, it's okay anyhow. Somebody said, preach, I can preach better than you. Well, you'll never get a chance here. Because <laughs> I like my job. <laughs> Lastly, she had a servant's heart. I'm glad of that. Could I please show you what I'm talking about? We'll close. Verse 3. Been in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper as he sat at meat. There come a woman, unannounced, having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. Verse 6. And Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble you her? She hath wrought a good work. Verse 8. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. What did she do that was so, so humongous that Jesus said, 2,000 years later, every time a preacher preached, they'd be preaching a memorial for this little lady. Well, what did she do? Now listen. What she could. What she could. God ain't never asked us to do what we cannot do. But God will take what we can do and confound everybody that can do everything. Oh, I, I, I need clothes. And several folks said amen to that. It wasn't a big deal to the disciples. But it was to Jesus. A waste according to the disciples. An investment in eternity. According to Jesus. They murmured but Jesus memorialized her. You see, if I know anything about serving God, God takes just ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Have you ever noticed that? That's why everybody says, if Wolfenbarger can do it, I can do it. That's the truth. You can. You can. The only difference is you just need to get to it. I'm sorry. I'm the one that sees the moment. Not the best preacher in Joshua. Probably the best looking one. (laughs) 
probably the least talented of all the people who ever crossed the stage at Calvary Baptist Church to graduate. If I had not had a missionary friend who paid my tuition, I couldn't even have graduated. But you don't have to be smart. Just available. Just available. Seize the moment. Oh yes, I'm glad God specialized in order for ordinary folks like you and I to do extraordinary things. Think about this with God. There's no one too low to be lifted, too dirty to be cleaned, too cracked to be cured, and too lost to be found. Too broken to be fixed, too hurt to be healed, too fractured to be in, too expressed to be renewed, too wounded to be redeemed, and too bruised to be anointed, and too sinful to be saved. There just ain't no folk like that. God can take care of all of it. Aren't you glad of that? I'd kind of let you, like to let you know something today. If you've been stepped out, cracked out, doped out, flunked out, drank out, walked out, it doesn't matter. God still can use you. Are you glad of that? So the next time you feel inadequate, the next time you remember, you're just surrounded with a whole bunch of folk, ordinary folk just like you. See, God can use you. See, Noah got drunk, and God used him. Abraham was too old. Jacob was a liar. Leah was considered ugly. Joseph was abused, and Moses studied, but God still used them all. Have you thought about that? Gideon was afraid. Samson had long hair and was a womanizer, and God still used Samson. Rahab was a prostitute, Jeremiah and Timothy were too young, but God still used them. Won't you just seize the moment? David had an affair and was a murderer. Did you know that? God still used him. Elijah was suicidal, but God still used him. Isaiah preached naked for three years and God still used him. That would have been a sight, wouldn't it? He preached to me, I'd bow my head and close my eyes like I was praying. <laughs> you say, I don't believe that. Turn to Isaiah chapter 20 sometime and you'll find out that God told Isaiah to do that. Boy, I bet the cold water committee would have had a ball that day. <laughs> Say, preacher, you're inviting Isaiah to preach? Not this week. <laughs> Come on. Season the moment. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job was bankrupt. Peter and that Christ and disciples fell asleep while Jesus was praying. But God still used them. Martha worried about everything. The Samaritan woman at the well had five husbands. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul persecuted Christians. Timothy had an ulcer. And Lazarus was once dead, but God used him. The only difference is seizing the moment.
Are you listening to me? Well, I've had a divorce, or uh, I used to be an alcoholic, or I have a, I have a, a, a criminal record. I, oh, just shut your mouth and let God use you. Just quit having a pity party. Someone has said, build a bridge and get over it. That's a word in psychology. That's a psychological fix. Build a bridge and get over it. Quit worrying about what your mama did and what your daddy did and what the kids did and what the rats did and what the dogs did. Quit. Get over it. Quit using that for an excuse. Man, I was abused all my life. I just stopped by to tell you today that there ain't no task too small when it comes to working for the Lord. She never preached a sermon, but there's been 10,000 sermons preached about her. She never went on a mission trip, but she gave it all. That in three days, the first missionary that ever came to this world went to a cross and died that the whole world might be saved. She seized the moment. Our Father, today we thank you so very much for a lady in the book of Mark, in the book of Matthew, in the book of John. All three disciples attest about this love and this sacrifice and this servant who was sensitive to the need of the hour. Dear Lord, I pray that this not be just another Sunday morning sermon.